Okay, let's pray together. Father, thank you. Father, as we uh, listen to all those announcements, Lord, it's really a, a cause of celebration. It's, it's really a cause for us to, to say thank you that you are working in so many different ways and in so many different lives uh, here at the well. So, so Father, that, that's, that's my heart, is that it's not overwhelming to-dos or overwhelming activity for activity's sake, uh, but it really it's opportunity to love one another. It's opportunity to encourage one another. It's opportunity to bear one another's burdens. Uh, Lord, it's, it's maybe just opportunity to have some fun and fellowship. So, so, Father, thank you for all that you are doing. We do look forward to 2020 together. Lord, thank you uh, for 10 years as a church family. And um, as we continue to uh, launch into 2020, this second Sunday of the year, it is our desire, Lord, it is our heartfelt desire to, to be in step with you to honor you, to glorify you, to be uh, purposeful about our lives, to use everything for your glory. So, so this morning as we continue to look at how to do that biblically, how to do that uh, in such a way that it would bring glory and honor to you, uh, Lord, speak to our hearts, give us wisdom, give us direction, and then Lord, give us real clear application uh, for it's in the obedience where we exercise our faith and we grow and are transformed. So accomplish your will and purpose in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so 12 days into the year, survey says, don't have to raise your hand, how intentional have you been? How, how purposeful, how desirous have you already been 12 days in to making the most of this year? And in fact, let me, let me make it even more present tense. When you woke up this morning... How intentional, how purposeful were you this morning to make the most of this day? Or, you know, like many of us, did it just sort of happen again? You know, oh, it's Sunday, oh, it's church day, and then it's lunch, and then it's siesta, and then it's whatever, whatever. You know, many of us have our routines for Sunday, and nothing wrong with routine. Routine is good, you know. There's an intentionality even behind routine and all that. But, but really what we're talking about is not routine just for activity's sake. How many of us had the heart today to be intentional? How many of us had the heart today to say, by the time I put my head down on my pillow, I'm going to put a little smile on my face and say, man, that was a good day. I was intentional. And I'm not talking about that you got a lot of honeydews done. I'm talking about this deep sense at the end of this day, you're like, Wow, I made the most of this day. And the most of this day might be because I sat and I read a book. Or I had the conversation I needed to have. Or I went on the walk that I wanted to. I'm not talking busyness. See, a lot of times we equate intentionality with busyness. That's not it. it it's, it's having a plan. It's more quality than quantity. And so we're looking at it. You know, this new year, and we're spending January kind of to get our, our wheels turning at the church. There's a lot, you just heard, there's a lot going. And sometimes, you know, it's like a, a, one of those big ships or like a train. It just takes a while to get going. And we're only two weeks into 2020, and we're just trying to get going. Because my heart for you and my heart for this church is, you know, December 31st, we look back, you know, what's 353 more days maybe? 350-ish days, we look back and we like, wow, 2020, game changer, life changer, right? And, and here's the thing, it's not going to happen by accident. None of us know, right? Big, big, big year for the country, global events, you know, we prayed last Sunday and praise God for, for what happened this week, uh, but the country's ramping up, you know, the next year here together as a country is going to be pretty pretty bumpy ride, right? And who knows what's going to happen in your life? Who's going to know what's going to happen in my life or the life of this church? But regardless of circumstance, isn't it really cool to know that regardless of circumstance, if you set, seek and set your mind on things above and you walk by faith, regardless of circumstance, we'll all be able to look back on this year at some point and go, wow, God is good. I grew. 
I celebrated, I cried, I, I, I made some victories, I had some crushing defeats, but in the end, God is good. He transused it all to transform me more and more into Jesus. Amen? Right, that's our desire, it's to be really intentional. Last week, Colossians 3 is our theme verse for the month, and we're launching off into it. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. So he's speaking to believers. He says, hey, you, you followers of Jesus, you want, you want a really powerful vision for 2020 and really every day, but 2020, 2021, the rest of your life. Hey, live out who you are. Live out who you already are. And here's two practical ways. Seek the things that are above. And then it says set, right? Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on things that are above. Seeking is practical things. It's a lifestyle. It's choices. It's a command. It means do some things. Be practical. Be intentional in your actions, right? And then we saw in verse 2 where it says set. That has to do with your disposition. It has to do with your heart, your bent, your inner being. And we said last week, it's really, you know, you have to be real careful because even in the context of church and all the churchy stuff that we just heard about up in announcements, you can be doing a lot, a lot of activity, right? They call it the Christian treadmill. You know, you're doing a lot around here. But if your heart isn't set on things above, it's not going to transform. You just get tired. You just get burned out. Right? So they go, they go together. The seeking things, Tuesday night Bible study, women's ministry, men's ministry, youth ministry, doing things should enhance the setting, should help you, your disposition be more set on Jesus. As your disposition is more set on Jesus and the things above, here's the crazy thing. He leads you to be seeking more. And seeking more is setting more, and it just goes back and forth, and suddenly you've been transformed. Right? Now, here's, here's a challenging thing. Here's a challenging thing. To be intentional about your faith, to be intentional about growing to be more like Jesus, it's easier said than done. In fact, see, sometimes I said today in the meeting, it's easier read than done. Right? I don't know how many of you make resolutions, right? You get this, oh, okay, new year, da, 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 da. Right? And, and nothing wrong with resolutions, nothing wrong with good intentions. But man, at a certain point, when you really try to be intentional, you find out how tough it is. How many of you, you know, you got this really good plan to exercise, right? Maybe change your diet, and you just, you just want to start small. Just small. I'm just going to walk. I'm just going to eliminate this. How many of you... You make this really few good steps and you say, I'm going to do it. How many of you, the moment you say, I'm going to do it, it seems like everything goes crazy in your life? Right? Where's all this resistance coming from? Why suddenly when I choose to be intentional, do I feel like I'm getting all this blowback and pushback? And it's like, I can't even, you know, all desire to work out. I can't even get to the gym. I can't even walk. Right? You know that many of us, um, or that I tend to, compete in races the last few years and all this. Uh, but I decided in, in December to kind of take, you know how you kind of decide to take a break? But then that just, the break never seems to end. Anyone? Just, I'm just take a little break. I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to exercise. I'm just going to, I'm going to enjoy the holidays. Anyone enjoy the holidays, food, right? You just put the, Right? And so it's crazy because I'm struggling with this intention and purpose to get back into it because I have a race in, in August, September coming up, yada, yada. But man, I'm trying to be intentional about getting back into shape and firing it up again. This is, this is how far it's slid and how much of a challenge I have right now, just, just kind of using myself as an example. You know, because when I'm into training and all this, I'm at Nordoff every other day, da-da, I'm at the gym, da-da-da. I have slid so far that right now I celebrate taking my dog for a walk. <laughs> that was, I count that a victory. It's not even around the block or any. It's like halfway, and then we turn around and come back. And I'm like, you know, and I put it off on him. You good? I'm good. You good? And we call it good, right? And I'm like, how do I get shin splints from walking my dog? That's like not good. Not voting well for August, right? 
And I'm so, I'm like, okay, I got to do, you know, and so this intentionality, this being purposeful, it, it can be tough, right? It requires change, change of schedule, right? Change of the norm. And many of us, how many of you find it much nicer to stay with what you know, routine, right? Being intentional requires commitment. Ooh, commitment. Got to stick with it, right? And you know what? Being intentional, it, it, it requires courage. What do you mean by courage? Well, if you're intentional, you might end up putting it out there to someone. Hey, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And, and that, that's risky because then you put yourself out there and you expose yourself. So, you know, it, it's change, it, it's commitment, it's courage. And here's the thing we're going to focus on today. To be intentional about following Jesus requires continual faith going to require faith, right? Last week, we, we talked about one of the most powerful tools for change in your, your life and my life is asking quality questions, asking real life questions, right? And so Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things on the earth. So here's the question. If you say, yeah, I want to do that, right? I want to seek and set. That sounds good. It's practical. You might be asking, here's, here's a real question. Why? I mean, think about that. And, it just, and, and, and really kind of what I'm saying is, oh, not, not just because the Bible says I'm supposed to. That's not. Why should you? Like, really. A lot of us aren't going to do this because it's not connecting to the real why in your life. Now, you're going to affirm that that's God's word, so I should, right? I'm supposed to hear and obey. I'm supposed to hear and do. Jesus says, if you love me, obey me. So some of you are like, well, you're supposed to because it's in the Bible. But the reason for a lot of us not doing anything with what you hear on a church maybe is because it's not connected to a real why. So why should we seek the things that are above? Why should you, why should I leave here and change my disposition to be about Jesus? Why? That's a, that's a quality question. That's a real question. And if you don't know it, that's a good place to start. Just say, I don't know. Because uh, the Bible says. Well, if you're like me, if you're honest, how many of you have a list this long of things the Bible says that you still don't do? Right? So it's okay to say, why, why should I? And, I, and and I was thinking about that today. To help you answer the why, I think what we need to do is connect this to another question. What's your real purpose as a believer? What is your ultimate goal? Because this verse is a huge step, a huge catalyst to achieving an ultimate goal. So as you sit here as a Christian... Where are you going? What's the end game? Have you ever thought about that? Is it like, okay, I said a prayer. I know my name's written in the book of life. You know, I got my fire insurance in my pocket. I know where I'm going when I die. Oh, is that it? Is that just following? Is that, that's being a Christian. Now I go to church. Now I go to women's group. Now I go to men's group. Now I read my Bible. Now I, do, I pray because that's what all the pastors say I'm supposed to do. But where are you going with all that? Where, where are all these loose ends supposed to be? Meeting. What's the purpose? What's the goal, right? And, and I think if we get clarity on this, it's going to help these verses come to life. You might leave here and go, oh, that's why I'm supposed to seek and set, right? And a year or two ago, I asked this question. It's all about questions. Here, here's, here's a question for you. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, is your ultimate goal happiness or holiness? Now, now, I know what you want to say right off the bat because it's the church answer. But what I'm really asking you is based on your lifestyle and the choices you make daily, are you living to be happy or to be holy? Radical question to ask yourself. Radical question. Right? Because we grow up in a country where there's the American dream. 
What's the American dream? You guys know life, liberty, and the pursuit of? That's been ingrained in you. That, that is being ingrained. Can you be both? What does God call you to be? Does God call you to be happy or holy? You see? These are the questions you have to ask. And then they lead to other questions. Thank you, Lisa. Can you do both? You see how real questions asked lead to potentially real questions. That's where we're going. Maybe for some in 2020, it's just time to start asking real questions. Are you, is your ultimate, ultimate goal, not exclusive, but your primary goal, is it biblically to be holy or happy? What does the Bible call you to do? Holiness or happiness, right? Because if your ultimate goal is happiness, if it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness because you live in the U.S. of A., then you're going to struggle with some verses. Here's some, here's, here's some verses that right away you're going to struggle with. Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see the struggle right off the bat? If I'm pursuing happiness and material gain and personal peace and affluence for the things on the earth, that verse right now, I'm struggling. Because that verse is all about not putting my heart here. That verse is all about this being number one, my heart being up there, things above, right? Matthew 6.31, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That verse right there, direct conflict. Wait, how does me pursuing happiness, but he says to seek first the kingdom. How can I seek first two different things? One's got to be first. What's first? What's your first and primary purpose as a Christian? Because it's answer is going to answer a lot of questions for you and your priorities in life. It's going to answer so much of why you're struggling, why you feel stuck. Maybe you've been pursuing happiness over holiness. Right? Now, here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. I told the, the, the leaders, the guys this morning at our leadership meeting, if we shifted in 2020 our philosophy of ministry here, we would probably have to go to two or three services. And here's what I mean. If on our bulletin and what came from the pulpit uh, regularly was this purpose, here's, you know, if I were to say, here's the new mission statement of the well, it's this. God is most interested in meeting the needs in your life so that you can be free to enjoy all that this world has to offer because he just wants you to be happy. If that came from... Here, every week, this place would be filled. God is most interested in meeting the needs in your life so that you can be free to enjoy all that this world has to offer because he just wants you to be happy. This place would, would be booming. Right? That, that's seeped into the church. So now people are coming at, to church and they're following Jesus because they're pursuing happiness and Jesus is supposed to help them pursue their happiness. You see how it got flipped? Jesus is now my boy to get me my happiness. Versus when Jesus called his first disciples, he said, hey, follow me. And I will make you into something. Right? So January 12, 2020, follower of Jesus, what are you really pursuing this morning? Because here's a help. Here's a, I put together, instead of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, here's kind of this mission statement, if you want to call it that. There's a lot of ways you could do this. I came up with this to kind of help me, maybe help you. Here's a cool mission statement as a follower of Jesus. Here we go. Walk in newness of life, Romans 6, 4, free from slavery to sin, pursuing holiness, all for the glory of God. Amen? Pretty cool, right? Pretty good biblical answer to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
I want to walk in newness of life, free from the slavery to sin, pursuing holiness, all for the glory of God. That's a pretty solid mission statement as a believer. Because it keeps the Bible and our biblical pursuit first. Now, can you be holy and happy? Is holy and holiness and happiness ex- exclusive? Right? I would hope not. Except the biblical word is joy. Okay, you be real careful with your words. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy. Happiness isn't in there. Okay, you know, and you think like splitting hairs. Joy is biblical. Joy comes from who you are in Christ. Joy comes from his love. Joy comes from his promises. Joy comes from his nature and who I am as his son or daughter, right? Happiness tends to be circumstance driven. Happiness is if then. If I get the job, if I get the house, if I get, if I get the relationship, if I, if I. So happiness can be very circumstance driven and very self driven. Biblical joy is this way. And circumstances go way down the totem pole in terms of joy. Amen? So I can pursue holiness, and my life can be flipped upside down, but as God is transforming me into more and more of a godly man, I can have joy in that. Amen? So it's about holiness and not happiness. And if you're going to pursue holiness, here's the crazy thing. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 makes sense. Because to be holy, I have to seek and set my mind on things above. So, 2020, 12 days in, are you willing to make that change? Right? Have you, are you willing to make that shift from happiness to holiness? And believe me, it, it, I get that it's, it, it's, it's challenging because this pursuit of happiness, even in, in maybe in just, I'll, I'll, I'll reframe it, the pursuit in our culture of personal peace, the pursuit in our culture of affluence, the pursuit in our culture of comfort, of still attaining certain levels of significance, it is deeply ingrained, deeper than many of us even get. Right? Even in the church, it's tough. I mean, how comfortable are the seats you're in? Right? And the heaters, we try to get it just right for you. And just by the way, the temperature in this room is one of the biggest challenges we have every week because the back half is shivering for the whole service and we're boiling up here. But we're struggling every, every Wednesday. We have a staff meeting and I debrief. We, do, we, 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 go, we, go, we look at everything from Sunday. And one of the questions I ask every, how was the temperature? Right? And Tyler's like, it was freezing back there. And up here's like, oh, their people are fanning, right? So even in the way we do church, we try to make you comfortable. We try to make it just right, the temperature. And it's so, you know, da, 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 da. And then we have nice donuts and it's all laid out, right? And the coffee is just so. And the cheese, the cheese, amen. Oh my gosh, the cheese, right? Wow. Just for that, we're fasting on cheese for the rest of 2020. We'll see who the true believers are. No cheese. I'm going to Baptist church. They have cheese at the Baptist church. We get into it. It's comfortable here. It's so pretty. The landscaping, right? And if you're not careful, we're no longer about pursuing holiness. It's about happiness here. Right? And that's why some churches, you know, if you heard me say, you know, it doesn't apply here, but when we were 50 over at the Wesleyan Church, you know, us 50 and that's nifty. <laughs> right? Because we're comfortable and we know each other and we know us 50 and that's nifty and like, you know, other people coming, oh, but it's going to, it's, it's messing it up. You know? You know you think that. I just say what you think, Right? I, that, that was genuine. There were some concerns raised to me about moving from the Wesleyan Church. When we moved from the Wesleyan Church to here about almost three years ago, two and a half years ago, we were about 60 or 70, regular, coming here, God blessed, provided all this. People started to come, and there were some genuine concerns from those who had been with us from the get-go about what's going to happen. I like, I like it. 
I like it. That's all. I like it. I know. I got the routine. It's over there. Da, da. Right? So this idea of being intentional and personal, yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. If you slide from holiness and godliness and the focus this way into happiness and me, man, you get tied up in knots really quick. So, 12 days into 2020, are you about holiness or happiness? Real good question to ask. Maybe write that down in your bulletin, you know? Take it home. Ponder it. Because if you're pursuing holiness, it's going to radically impact whether or not you read your Bible, whether or not you pray, whether or not you go to men's group, women's group, youth group. Because all these church activities now make sense because they're all tied to a higher purpose. You set the bar pretty high in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're doing all of these. You're seeking after all these things to get to a higher purpose. But if it's about happiness, what if you're already happy? What if you've already attained your level of happiness? Then all this other stuff's just like bumming you out and it's just a thorn and it's just inconvenient because you're happy. I had a roommate in college. I had become a believer. He wasn't a believer. Good, really good friends, one of my best friends. Uh, we were both going to law school, different law schools at the time. And I remember he said this to me as a non-believer. And it wasn't mean, it wasn't spiteful. We were just, it just came up. He says, I don't need God. And he didn't in his mind. We're not talking the sin-hell issue. In his mind, he was smart, successful, on his way to law school. In his mind, he had attained and was achieving his level of happiness. He didn't need God. So question for you and for me as followers of Jesus, do you really need God? In the pursuit of what, though? See, a lot of Christians, you're not excited, you're not enthused, you're not walking in the Spirit because you're happy. You're just happy. Not perfect, but you're, you've, you've, you've attained the house and the career and you're on your track and you're raising your kids and there's not much difference between you and a non-believing family because you're both pursuing happiness. That's kind of where you are. It's where you've got to ask yourself, what are you about? It's a great question. It's a quality question. It's a probing question. What's your purpose? What lights your fire? And if you decide to be intentional about seeking and setting, here's the thing. It's going to require faith. What do you mean? Well, we're going to look at a story in Matthew 14:22. It's a very familiar story. Uh, Jesus sends his disciples on a boat onto the Sea of Galilee. And then a very famous miracle happens but let me read it's from matthew 14 22 and it says this immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds after he had dismissed the crowds as jesus he went up on the mountain by himself to pray when evening came he was there alone but the boat by this time was a long way from the land beaten by the waves for the wind was against them and in the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Right? So Jesus sends his boys at night into the Sea of Galilee. If you don't know the the geography of the Sea of Galilee, it's surrounded by hills, pretty big hills. And so what can happen is the winds can kick up and they come swooping down onto the Sea of Galilee. The winds cause huge waves. Huge waves, right? It's not like, you know, little Lake Casitas. It's like these hills are so big and the winds can be so violent that the waves kick up. And so even fishermen, professional fishermen can freak out. So that happens. He sends them out. It's like 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. when it says the fourth watch of the night. Right? So there's winds, there's waves, they're getting tossed, and all of a sudden Jesus just comes cruising out. Right? He just comes, hey, what's up? Right? He's cruising. And they freak out. The disciples were terrified. It's a ghost! Right? And Jesus is like, chill. It's me. Don't be scared. Right? Yeah, right. It's 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Right? It's like, dude, there's someone walking on the water. It's Jesus. Like, what would, would, would you be terrified? Right? You'd be like, what? Now, here's the crazy thing. Who sent the disciples into the storm? He set it up. 
right? He set it up. Did he know the storm was going to happen? Probably, good chance. So if you're in a storm right now, did God know it was coming? And how would you react if he showed up in your storm? Are you looking for him? Right? So he sends them out. Storm comes. Jesus shows up in the midst of the storm. We talked about the difference between testing and temptation, and we know that God doesn't tempt us, but he does allow things in our life that will test us, right? James 1, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. There it is. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So the storm comes, and the storm in my life comes. God knows you're in the middle of it. Are you seeing it as an opportunity to grow? Because that's what God wants to use it for. An opportunity. But if you have bought into the pursuit of happiness and the American dream is about smooth sailing, storms in your life, you're not going to react the same way, are you? Because now you're going to be angry about why did this happen and how could God let this happen and I did everything I could to prevent this from happening versus embracing that it is happening and God, what do you want me to learn through it? How can I grow through this storm? It goes back to are you pursuing holiness or happiness? Radical impact on how you view the storms of your life. Radical. In fact, Jesus says in John 16, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many, everyone say many, many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. It's all about perspective. It's all about how you're viewing what God allows into your life. Right? And so we'll put it up on the screens, Matthew 14. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. So storm, ha, ha, ha. Jesus shows up. Hey, what's up? It's me. Relax. Peter says, If it's really you, tell me to come to you. All right, come. Right? I love this story. It's very familiar. It says, Peter got out of the boat. He got out of the boat. Right? Peter tends to get a bad rap here. But let me just tell you, Peter got out of the boat. Amen? He got out the boat. And then it says, he walked on water. So only two people on this planet have ever walked on water. Jesus and who? Peter. He actually walked on water. So be careful about throwing him, you know, overboard. He says, come. He gets out of the boat. He says he walks. And then some 30 and 31 are the key. When he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So he's walking to Jesus. Somehow or another, his focus shifts from Jesus to the circumstances of the storm. Just like many of us, we've started off well. And somewhere along the line, our focus shifted. Somewhere along the line, we, we, we started the new year well. We got right with Jesus. We're doing this. And, and we were like tunnel vision. And we were committed. And suddenly, somewhere along the line, it was just a shift of focus. We started looking at circumstance and people and da, da, da. And suddenly, we sink. Start to sink. And then Jesus, it's really interesting. He, 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 again, he's one of the best question askers ever. And that's why it's powerful. Just ask questions in your life. Look what he says. Oh, you of little faith, why 
did you doubt? Now, that word doubt, for many of us, uh, right when you read that, you've had this view, this definition of that word, and it has kind of probably skewed how you view this verse. I want to help you. That word doubt in the Greek is only used one other time in the New Testament. It does not mean unbelief. Super important. What it means, it's distazo, and I actually have a slide. Distazo. When he says, why did you doubt? That word doubt, very specific, means wavering, hesitancy, uncertainty. It's primarily about a lack of action. It was the action, not mental confusion or questioning. So he's asking Peter, hey, Peter, oh, you have little faith. Why did you hesitate? Why did you hesitate? Why are you wavering? You took a few steps. Why are you hesitating now? Where's the follow through? You started well. Where's, why are you hesitating? There's also another word picture for this. And if you remember the, the um, clip in the journey, right? The guy came to, to Crossroads, right? He didn't even waver. I was waiting for the like, he just went, this word means, why did you doubt? It means wavering, uncertainty, hesitancy. It means you come to a crossroads and you're stuck. Anyone ever like try to figure out a problem in your life and you analyze it to death to where it's like paralysis of overanalysis? Anyone? You're like, you can justify any of it, right? And you're set on this one, and then your good friend says, well, did you think about? You're like, thanks, bud. I was so set here, and then now, now, you know? And that's what the word picture is. You're wavering, you're uncertain. But the thing is, he had started off well. He's not asking the question as Peter's in the boat, is he? Very important. Peter had the faith to get out of the boat. He had enormous faith to do something that everything physics would say, what are you doing, you knothead? He had the faith, based on one word, come. He had the faith to do something impossible, supernatural. To choose to believe Jesus, come and stand on water. That's faith. The real question is, hey, you took a few steps, why are you wavering now? Why are you hesitant now? What happened, right? And that's a great question for us, moving into 2020, because you might leave here and go, yes, here we go. Intentional, pursuing holiness. And you're going to be rock solid till like tomorrow. <laughs> you're going to get up tomorrow, like you're going to make all these plans tonight. Waking up at 6 a.m. to Reveille. That's my boy. He's like disciplined. He has his door closed, but he wakes up to Reveille. That's his alarm. Yeah, Reveille. Right? Like pretty. So some of you, you're going to go home, you're going to make these plans, and then your alarm's going to go off at 5 a.m. I want you to think of this verse, and Jesus says, Why are you wavering? Why are you hesitant to get out of bed? But you had, you made the plans, right? So something's going on here. And here's, here's what I want to encourage you with. Peter got out of the boat, and his Bible says he started to walk. So if this is, I'll do it this way. If this is the boat, right, he gets out of the boat. And the Bible says, the Bible says he starts to walk on water. I wonder how long he held on to the edge of the boat as he was walking on water. Because this is a lot of you all. You're following Jesus, but you're holding on to something for security. And wonder if he started to bring the boat with him. Right? He's like bringing the boat. He's like, at what point was he challenged to let go of the boat? At what point did he walk on water? He's like, Okay, one more step. I got to let go of the boat completely. See, at this point, he could still do this if things went bad. 
At what point, and this is, I think, maybe, maybe, where he starts to sink. He's wavering. Because he knows the next step is an all-in moment of faith. The next step means he's got to let go of the past. He's got to let go of what he's leaning on. He's got to let go of his own understanding. And he's got to let go and just trust Jesus' word now. So the question for you and for me in your pursuit of holiness, what area in your life right now are you wavering? Where are you hesitant? Where are you uncertain? Where are you at a crossroads? And you kind of know what the Bible says. Cognitively, you, you know your friend's getting good counsel. And you know the flesh and your past and the bondage that way. You, you, you're at the crossroads. It's a pretty clear, clear crossroads. The question is, why are you wavering? If it's really clear, biblically, why are you wavering? You know, I've been a pastor for 30 years, and it's not been uncommon for me to, to sit with someone in counseling. And you know what I hear? Well, pastor, I know what the Bible says. So then why are you wavering? What's going on? See, when, the, when they say to me, well, pastor, yeah, I know what the Bible says in this area. That's code I've learned over all these years to have a heart of compassion because they're at a crossroads right now. I, I, I've learned to see that they're like this. I know what the Bible says that I'm supposed to let go of this and keep moving forward with Jesus. Keep coming to Jesus. I know, I know what the Bible says. And they're at this moment right here where they know deep in their core of being, it means they've got to let go. It means they have to trust. Trust. Exercise faith. That if they let go of the past, if they let go of the hurt, if they let go of the anger, if they let go of everything, all their security, everything that they're banking on, their 401k, they're they're at this point. We're like, I I know what the Bible says, Pastor. But what they won't say is, I'm really scared to death right now. I'm really struggling letting go of the boat. Because everything in me wants... Right? And so many of us, we're there. And we, anyone? Now, if this is you, I celebrate that because you're out of the boat. This is not a message of condemnation. This is encouragement. Many of you, have, you're out of the boat. And let me just ask you this. How many of you would celebrate God's work in your life? Transformation. You're a new person, new attitudes, new words. Anyone? Right? Okay. Where did that come from? You got out of the boat. If you're celebrating God's work in your life and you've seen tangible new, new change in desires, behaviors, yada, yada, you're out of the boat. Here's the thing, though. In the pursuit of holiness, he's going to keep telling you to come. Keep coming. Keep coming. Right? How many of you have the little kid who's teaching how to walk? Right, Grandpa? Future Grandpa? And you're like, come on. Come on, and they're like holding on to everything. And well, that's kind of us to Jesus as our walk of faith. Come on, come on, and you're like, <laughs> and you might fall and scratch your knee. That's fine. It's called walking with Jesus. It's called faith. And so, many for for us today, the question is. Are you at a place, one, maybe one, maybe there's several. Where are you wavering? Where are you being called to let go of the boat? You're already out. But in your, in your sanctification, in your walk with Jesus, he wants to grow you. He wants to change you in 2020. He wants to give you more joy and, and greater peace and set you free. And he's asking you in maybe this one area, let go of the boat. Just let go. Right? So what are you holding on to? 
Because see, here's the thing. Peter, here's what's going on with Peter, and it might help you. Peter's in the boat. He's like, okay, natural physics says I shouldn't get out of the boat. There's the reality of physical laws. If I get out of the boat, I shall sink. That's natural reality. Let's call it that. So he gets out of the boat. He doesn't sink. So now he's in supernatural reality. And the further he gets away, the two realities are the root of what's going on. The natural reality, the laws of physics that are telling him, you're going to sink, and the supernatural reality is that I'm not sinking. And many times that's what's going on in our walk with Jesus. You have this human reality, the natural, you know, the things you see and people say to you, the natural realities, he tells you to come walk supernaturally and you're trying to figure out which one to stay in. Which reality? That's what was going on in Peter. He's like, this is weird, dude. I'm not sinking. I'm making progress. Okay, my physics, you know, I got an A in physics. This does not compute. Right? Supernatural realities kick in. And now, what do I do with that? And for some of us, it's the natural versus the supernatural that causes the wavering. Right? The natural is your past, your upbringing, your experiences, your understanding, your intellect, all about the flesh and what your own understanding, trust in the Lord, right? With all, lean not on your own understanding. That's kind of the natural reality. Trust in the Lord, walk by faith, that's a supernatural reality. And where those two do this, you can waver. What do I do here? And that's what's going on. That's what's going on. And, and so, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to stop there. We'll pick up next week because it's, it's a real important question. Is there an area in your life right now where maybe you're wavering, maybe you're hesitant, maybe you're uncertain, maybe you're at a crossroads between the natural and the supernatural, And Jesus is asking you the same question. Oh, you of little faith, why are you wavering in this area? Why are you hesitant in this area? Why are you uncertain in this area? And be honest, those are great questions to ask. And here's, it might just be as simple as this. Jesus, I am scared to death right now. Or, Jesus, if I, if I let go of the boat, I'm not sure people are going to like me. I'm not sure people are still going to, you know, I'm going to be one of them Jesus freaks, one of them born-againers, crazy for Jesus, you know? You, we're insecure. You don't want to let go because of your own insecurities. You want to let go because of bondage to the past. You name it. It's up to you. You be real. If Jesus is asking you, why are you wavering, give him a real answer. Just be real with him. Because in your honesty, i got to believe through the power of the Holy Spirit and his compassion and love, he'll give you the, his response biblically. And most of the time it's going to be this. I understand. I actually say most of the time, all the time. Because the Bible says he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. He gets it. So if you're at a crossroads and you're scared to death, and you're trying to figure out natural and supernatural realities and how they compute and all, and you're just like that and you're confused, it's okay. Bring it all to Jesus. Bring it all to Jesus right now. It's only the second Sunday. (laughs) And spend 2020 sorting it out with him. There's no rush. Sort it out. But you've got to be real. What are you wavering? Where are you uncertain? What scares you? What doesn't make sense? Where are you angry? Where are you bound? Why can't you let go of the boat when you're already standing on water? You're in the supernatural realm already. He's just asking you to keep walking in there and letting go of the past. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the example of Peter. He got out of the boat. Celebrate that. Crazy.
crazy, crazy decision to get out of the boat. Everything in the natural world, in the natural realm and natural reality would say, what are you doing, you idiot? But he got out of the boat because you said, come. And then he started walking on water. There was a supernatural reality that kicked in. But Father, the story says that at a certain point he wavered, at a certain point he hesitated, at a certain point he was uncertain, and he began to sink at that point. And my prayer for my brothers and sisters here, those listening online, if you've been wavering, uncertain, hesitant, and you actually kind of maybe feel like you're sinking in this area, today's your day to cry out to Jesus to save you. Grab his hand, hold on, and be real and honest with why you're wavering. So, Father, we bring this to you. You know each person here. I pray that the the heartfelt questions will lead to heartfelt answers and true transformation at the heart level through your word and the Spirit. If you're here and you've not put your faith in Jesus, I encourage you on this second Sunday of 2020 to begin 2020. Put your faith in Jesus. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. Not by works. It's a gift. You've got to receive. Maybe that's your get out of the boat moment today. Trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You may not understand it all. You may not get it all. The Bible says he's the Lamb of God who was slain to take away our sin. So in the best way you know how, trust him fully in his death, burial, and resurrection as your Savior and Lord. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus who are out of the boat again, as we sing this song, it's really a, an, an, it is an anthem. It's called Anthem. It's a great song for us on January 12th to refocus on Jesus in our pursuit of holiness. If we're looking at the winds and waves of our life, it's a great song to choose to look at Jesus and sing, sing our faith in Him alone. So Jesus, we sing this song to you. It's not just words on a screen. It's truth. And my prayer for those who need it is bring peace and joy and the courage to let go of the boat, to no longer waver and be hesitant, but to trust you. So Jesus, this is our anthem to you.